right. I have my Bose noise counseling headphones on. I'm going to turn them on. Oh, it's even quieter in here. Uh, raise your hand if you have a pair of noise canceling headphones. If you're as cool as I am, excellent. Uh, these things are especially helpful when you're on an airplane, right? That's tends to be when I, when I wear them. Uh, Bose, the originator of the noise-canceling headphone, was on an airplane back in the 70s when he came up with the idea, but it took him over a decade of research and development and 50-some uh, million dollars uh, to come up with an actual working prototype. And I think these things are super cool the way they work. They're actually quite sophisticated. So if you remember that uh, wave, I'm sorry, sound travels in waves, right? And so you can actually uh, map the, the uh, highs and the lows of, of a particular sound wave. And if you, if you send an, the exact opposite sound wave, you can cancel it out. So when there's a, a peak, and if you hit it with a valley, and when there's a valley, uh, you hit it with a peak, you actually can cancel out the wave. So the idea of a, a noise-canceling headphone is that uh, the sound waves that are coming to us, if the, the earphone actually sends out the exact opposite sound wave and cancels out the noise. Uh, and so these things are super, super sophisticated because they're listening to the noise outside they're reading it, and then they are actually transmitting the exact opposite sound wave and thus canceling out the noise. Of course, it can only work with one sound wave at a time, which is why it does a great job on something like an airplane where there's a steady noise, but uh, if you're in a room with lots of different people talking, you're, you're only going to cancel out uh, some, of the, some of the sound waves. So I think uh, noise-canceling headphones, was I talking loudly? Probably was. I, I think that noise-canceling headphones illustrate well uh, today's biblical principle, because we're talking about Christian community and the importance of Christian community. And in our, in our biblical text today, we are told that sin is constantly trying to deceive us, telling us lies, and it's, it's like this audio wave of deceit from sin, constantly bombarding us. And so what, what, what's going to cancel that out? How are we going to keep from being deceived by sin? Well, Christian community functions like the noise-canceling headphones. Uh, Christian community tells us, uh, don't believe the lie. No, no, no. God can be trusted. Obey. Be in it for the, for the long haul. It's going to pay off. So sin is just constantly trying to lie to us. And, and fundamentally, sin says, look, someone is to be preferred over God. Someone or something should, is better to be trusted, better to be pursued, better to be valued than God. And if we buy into that lie, of course, it just, just totally distort, distorts us spiritually. But the Christian community functions like noise-canceling headphones because the Christian community is saying, no, that's not true. That's a lie. Don't believe it. 
don't, don't listen to that. If you and I want to persevere in our faith until the end, we need to be in Christian community. We need to immerse ourselves in the life of the church. This is one of the primary means and helps and graces that God gives us to keep us faithful to the end. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. This is our uh, primary text today, Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to be looking at two texts in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. We read this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So the author of Hebrews is trying to prevent something. He's concerned that something might happen and he doesn't want it to happen. And, and what is that? Based on these verses, yell it out. What does he not want to happen to these brothers he's writing to? He doesn't want them to have an evil, unbelieving heart leading them to fall away from the living God. He doesn't want them to, uh, he wants them to hold their original confidence firm to the end. He doesn't want them to let go of that. Uh, the author of Hebrews is tra- trying to prevent apostasy, abandoning one's loyalty to Jesus. Now, the, the, the author of Hebrews doesn't know who is going to hear uh, this letter read, right? And, uh, you know, can't, he doesn't know who's going to be listening, but, and so he doesn't know whether, whether his audience is going to be filled uh, made up of those in the church who are cultural Christians. They're there because mom and dad told them to go. They're there to please their spouse. They're there to, uh, because it, it makes them look good in the community, but they've never truly repented of their sins and embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior. In other words, they're tares in the church. Remember Jesus talked about that. He said, look, in the church, in the, in the visible church, In our local churches, there will be both wheat and tares. And it's not your business, Christian, to try to separate the wheat from the tares. I'll do that, Jesus says, at Judgment Day, I'll separate the wheat from the tares, right? The sheep and the goats, different parables. So in our churches, and there were the same thing happened way back uh, when Hebrews was written, uh, in the visible church, there were both true Christians and Christian in name only. And so, you know, Hebrews is writing to uh, that big, broad audience. And so I know that this this text absolutely raises the question of, oh, can we lose our salvation? Um, My understanding uh, from uh, Scripture as a whole is that, no, if you are If you are a true Christian, God will 
preserve you to the end. Things like he who began a good and work, work in you will be faithful to complete it until the, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John Piper actually points out that here in verse 14 we read, For we have come to share in Christ, present tense, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In other words, the, the Christian who will persevere in his or her faith until the end right now is sharing in Christ. So he says, actually, there is the doctrine of eternal security uh, uh, and the perseverance of the saints right here. True Christians, will God will help them persevere until the end. But what this text is saying is that the primary means, or certainly one of the primary means God uses in our lives to keep us faithful to the end, is Christian community. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. God knows that you need people speaking in your life encouraging words of faith. I need people exhorting me to not believe the lies of sin and not, he, not listen to what I hear in dominant culture, but to say yes to Jesus and be obedient and be in it for the long haul. I need that in order to remain faithful to Christ until the end. So God gives us Christian community. We need to wear this, right, in order to cancel out uh, the deceit of sin. So when I read this text, take care, brothers, I read it as take care, Mike, lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart, and I don't think I can hide behind the doctrine of eternal security uh, and, and, and avoid the, the command, the instruction, the caution, the warning of this text. I don't want to have an evil, unbelieving heart that would cause me to fall away from the living God. Okay, what, what can I do to avoid that? He says, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Mike, you need to be in a church that is exhorting you. You need to be in community. You need to have Christian friends in your life who are speaking every day words of faith. Right? Let's, let's, let's talk to each other. Let's speak words of faith, exhortation, encouragement into each other's lives every day. As long as it's called today. In other words, until the day you die, you have got to prioritize Christian community. You've got to be uh, in a place where people are exhorting you and you're exhorting others, right? Exhort one another. I need you to exhort me to remain faithful to Christ, and you need me to do that for you. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You know what? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I've been a pastor now for over 20 years, and I've been a Christian in the church now for over 50 years, and I have personally seen too many who were once attending church and even professed to be followers of Jesus, and now that's not true of them. Raise your hand if you know personally those kind of, you have people in your life that you know. Yeah. This, this happens 
right? Um, now, if they end their lives uh, as an unbeliever, what hope is there, right? And, and I'm not going to say that they, oh, my understanding would be, yeah, they were never saved, and that was proved out over time. But regardless, what Hebrews is saying and, and, I, and what I am saying is we don't want that to happen to any here. So take care, lest in you an evil, unbelieving heart form to lead you far from God. And I hope that you feel the, uh, the significance of that warning and that you do what the text tells us to do. Get in Christian community. So how does, uh, how, how does a hard heart form? This is important to understand because if you want to guard against having a, a hard heart forming, how, do you, you know, how does it come about? Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So how does our heart get hardened? Sin convinces us that someone or something is to be preferred over God. You need her in your life. I know that she's off limits, either because she's married or she's not a believer or for some other reason, but, or you're married but you're like, you know what, but I need her in my life. I need him in my life. And so in this area, I, I'm going to just do it my own way and not God's way. Well, when you make that choice or you say, I'm, I need the money and so I'm not going to tithe or I need the money so I'm not going to pay the government what it's due, even though Jesus tells me, get render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and on and on and on it goes. When you... When you do that, your heart begins to harden to the things of God. And usually it doesn't stop there. That's just the first, right? Because once you say no to God, it gets easier in some other part of your life, and then another part of your life, and another part of your life. And over time, you, you find yourself with an evil, unbelieving heart far from the living God. And so, what do we want to do? <laughs> we, we need to, we need to get in, get these headphones on. We need to get into Christian community so that the people of God speak truth into our lives and cancel out the lives of sin. Because the people of God say, no, 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 uh, don't give into that temptation. That's a lie. That's actually not going to serve you long term. Hey, God can be trusted. Let me tell you my own story. Yes, I was in a hard place. I was in a similar place. But, uh, but God came through, and I came out of that. And so the Christian community says, obey, believe, trust, follow for a lifetime. And we need, we need those voices in our lives to cancel out the deceit of sin. By the way, if... If you, this is one of the reasons confession is so important. Uh, and I've told you before that there was a time in my life, it was in my 30s when I was, I, I stopped practicing regular confession in my own life because I'm like, wait, why? I, my sins are forgiven, taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more. Why do I need to be confessing sins that are already forgiven? But I, here, here is the primary reason 
to practice confession. It re-softens your heart. Because when you sin, your heart begins to harden toward God and the things of God. Your conscience begins to get seared. But when you confess your sin, you're basically pushing kind of refresh on your, on your conscience your, and on your heart, your softening heart. So, when you sin, you want, to, you want to stop and you want to name it. And you want to say, God, I just did this. And, and don't be nebulous about that. Be, be as clear and uh, direct as you can be. Name it. Don't just hide. Say, what? I just did this. And that is wrong. God, that is a sin. It harms me. It, it is, uh, it, it's not honoring to you. I don't want it in my life. That, that, get that out of my life. God, f- please forgive me. And then, of course, we go to 1 John 1, 8 and 9, right? Uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, so our sins are forgiven in Christ, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you're like, God, thank you for cleansing me from that. Help me not to do that again. And that re-softens your heart, which will protect you from going down the road to be to calcifying or metastasizing into an evil, unbelieving heart and, and causing you to fall away from the living God. So practice confession. When you exhort me to value God above all else, when you warn me about the dangers of sin, when you share your own struggles about God's faithfulness to you, when you remind me God can be trusted, when you pray for me, when you share my burdens with me, you shield me from sin's deceit and help me remain faithful to God for a lifetime. I need you exhorting me every day as long as it's called today, and, and you need me to do that for you. We need each other. I know it's really popular right now for professing Christians to view the church as optional. Because Christian community is more than just, you know, attendance at local church, but it certainly includes that, right? There is no picture of New Testament Christianity that does not include uh, participation in the local church. Uh, and, And so I know it's popular to say, ah, church is optional, but when, when I think of the campaign, the, the constant campaign of sin against our souls, the nonstop onslaught of sin's deception, and, and the fact that it is helped tremendously by dominant American culture. Right? Who, whose side is American culture on? Sin's side or God's side? I mean, when, in, in the books that you pick up from Barnes and Nobles and the internet sites you go to and the news outlets and the songs that are playing on our radio, are they saying, put Jesus first, trust God, do life his way, obey even when it doesn't make sense? That's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you will be healthiest and happiest when you do it your way, when you pursue someone or something other than God. And, and so here we've, we've got sin trying to deceive us, and we've got dominant culture as its handmaiden. How in the world are we going to avoid swallowing the lie 
and, and beginning to live in sin and have our hearts hardened and fall away from the living God. By picking up Christian community, pursuing Christian community, prioritizing Christian community, being at church. So, so to my brother and sister in Christ who thinks, uh, let me just ask this, can, in light of what we talked about, can your soul really afford to go to church every once in a while? I mean, really? Can, can, you, can your soul afford to not be in a journey group, to not have Christian friends? How can, you, how can you do the Christian life if you don't have some, like for me, I, I don't know how I would do the Christian life without some men in my life that I can pick up the telephone call, uh, telephone and call and say, like I did one time with Chris Kefalos, the Philistines have invaded my mailbox because I had a Victoria's Secret delivered to me. <laughs> and, and Sabrina was out of town and I'm like, I'm in danger. And I picked up the telephone, you know, or you pick up and you say, I'm mad. I am so mad, Dan. Like Dan Krause, I call Dan. I'm so mad right now. I know what God wants me to do, and I don't want to do it because I just want you. And, and then they're, hey, oh, you know, Mike, I understand, but let's, let's talk about what is best, right? I need that. Let's pray right now. How do you do the Christian life without that? Well, you certainly, at a minimum, you're cutting yourself off uh, from, from, I think, the primary. John Piper says, God preserves uh, his people to the end, but he does it primarily through other believers, right? Don't cut yourself off from God's primary and necessary help in the Christian life. We want, we want to make it to our deathbed with a soft heart toward God. With a believing heart, with a good heart, and and do you think that's you, you, do you think you can just coast along as a Christian and get there? There are a lot of forces fighting against us, and so let's pick up God's resource of Christian community. All right, now let's turn over to Hebrews chapter ten. This is the text I normally go to uh, to talk about the importance of church and Christian community. But I think, I think Hebrews 10 actually uh, follows, you know, we're now a few chapters later. I think it's just picking up the theme. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So he's concerned again, and he's, he's challenging the Christians, the people in the churches, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us, and now here's a strategy, how are we, we going to persevere, remain faithful to Christ? Well, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I read this and I think, I need, I need you to do three things in my life to help me persevere. Number one, I need you to consider me. Consider one another to provoke unto love and good deeds. So I need, not all of you, but I need some men in my life who know me, right? They know what's going on in Mike's heart and mind and in my life and so that they can uh, exhort me and encourage me and challenge me. Uh, 
when I think about this topic, I can't help but remember a time, and I've told you this story before, but I was in seminary, and I went to D.A. Carson, who was my advisor, and I said, hey, I'm going to be leaving seminary for one year. I've been offered a vice president of sales position in Boston at this startup internet company. This is back in uh, early 2000s when the internet was going crazy. And I'm going to go work there, make my million, make my little fortune, and then I'll come back to, to ministry. And D.A. Carson looked at me, and he wagged his finger in my face, and he said, you are being snookered by the devil with his British accent. He saw that the love of money was beginning to encroach on my call to ministry, and, was, and it was in danger of being squeezed out, that call to ministry. And so he, he, was, he exhorted me. In that, in that case, it took an admonition. You're being snookered by the devil. Now, I didn't heed his advice. I went to Boston. The only reason I didn't take the job is because they didn't give me enough stock options. My greed kept me from taking the job. And now I'm back in seminary, and I'm resenting the call to ministry. Those darn church people aren't going to pay me enough, and they're going to try to control me with money. And, uh, and it was... A few weeks later, when God finally confronted me with my sin, and, and it was so extreme and, that I had to pull over. I was crying so hard. I was driving down the road, and I mean, it just hit me. And I pulled over because I couldn't see. I was just bawling as I repented. Uh, and that, you're being snookered by the devil. The Lord used that from D.A. Carson to cancel out the deceit of sin, and, and, and to re-soften my heart towards the things of God. We need that. So I need people in my life considering me. They need to, so here's another thing. How are you going to be, how are you going to be a successful Christian? How are you going to persevere to the end if you close yourself off from the people of God? Would you please have some people in your life that you're transparent to, and you're honest, and you don't, you don't feel, stop feeling the need to protect your image. Enough! What you need to protect is your soul from hell, right? So get some people in your life and say, this is the real me, and it's not perfect. It's flawed, and sin is constantly trying to deceive me and entangle me, and I need your help. Pray for me. Encourage me. Challenge me. So consider. First off, I need people to consider me. Secondly, I need people who will make a habit of meeting with me. I love the wording of that. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, or as the habit of some is. I cannot help but think of COVID. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are in church, but with COVID, a lot of people who used to attend church got out of the habit of attending church. Well, get back into the habit. Because uh, I need people who are making a habit of meeting with me. God designed the, the Christian community to be face-to-face, -face, right? Not online. I mean, if, you're, if you're, you have a reason to catch it online every once in a while, fine. But we need to see each other face-to-face, -to, -face, to know each other to meet together. Uh, by the way, um, after Thursday, because I preached on Thursday first time, Sabrina was pointing out to me, and she said, "Do you, when we, get, when we get out of our houses, get in our cars, and head to church, and our neighbors see that, 
It's, it's evangelism. Us getting together is saying, God is worth my time and energy. Learning about God. Worshiping God. It's worth Sunday morning, even when it's beautiful outside and I could be skiing, right? And that says something, and that does something in our hearts, in our own hearts, and, and to each other. So I need people considering me. I need people meeting with, making a habit of meeting with me. Get a habit. Let's be habitual people. A lot of, a lot of spiritual growth comes just by habit. And then uh, finally, encouraging. I need people to encourage me and encourage one another uh, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So encourage me because sometimes we want to give up and throw in the towel, and we're, we get discouraged, and we need to be encouraged. It's worth it. You can, I, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let me tell you my story. Let me pray for you. Come on. We need that. We're in this together. And then I, I need people considering me, making a habit of meeting with me, encouraging me, and I need it even more as we get closer to the end times. And, and so much more as you see the day approaching. What I take that to be is the more godless and secular the culture in which you live, the more desperately you need to prioritize Christian community. So, modern America and its culture uh, is, not, is not moving you toward fidelity to Jesus Christ. It is pushing us massively away. And, and more than ever, we need Christian community in our lives if we hope to persevere to the end. And we will. The true Christian, God, the true Christian will take heed of the warning. Take care, brothers. And the true Christian says, yeah, I do need that. I need to be in Christian community. I need to be exhorted, and I need to exhort others. And then God uses that to, per to help us persevere. So I actually wrote my summary, so I wanted to make sure I got this. So number one, we do not want to end life with an evil, unbelieving heart far away from God. I don't want that. I hope you don't want that, okay? We don't want to go there. Number two, sin is continually trying to produce in us an evil, unbelieving heart. Sin is constantly tempting us to believe that someone or something is to be preferred over God. And if we swallow this lie, our hearts begin to harden toward the things of God. And left unrepented of, that hardness will eventually metastasize into an evil, unbelieving heart. Sin is helped in its mission of deceit by much of today's culture. Much of what we hear on the news, watch on our TVs, are taught in our classrooms, hear in our songs, point us to someone other than God for hope and help and happiness. How can we possibly resist such an onslaught of sin's deception? Praise God, we have not been left alone to fight the battle for faith. God has given us the Christian community, His church, when we exhort each other to value God above all else, when we warn each other about the dangers of sin, when we share with each other the stories of God's faithfulness in our time of need, when we pray for each other, when we bear each other's burdens, we inoculate each other to sin's deception. You need that. I need that. 
So let's prioritize Christian community every day, as long as it is called today. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Band, you can come, or, yeah, band, come up and communion. What changes do you need to make in your life to give Christian community the priority it needs? Maybe it's a forming a habit kind of change. Maybe it's just a prioritization change. Maybe it's I've got to be honest and open myself up to the people of God and let them know that things aren't as good on the inside as they might look on the outside. Maybe you know that you have already been deceived by sin in an area of your life, that your heart has become hardened, your conscience has become seared, and you need to confess. And confess that to another. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Make a commitment to make that change today.